Hello and welcome to a Thursday edition of Locked On Spartans. It is November. We've turned the page. It is cool. You can feel November in the air. There's like a distinct crispness to it. Leaves are on the ground. It's beautiful. And we are getting into the heart, uh, the meat and potatoes, the most important month of college football season. And, And we're just days away from Michigan State tipping off their season in the Champions Classic against number one Kansas. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thank you so much uh, for listening to the show, for tuning in. New listeners, thank you for giving us a shot. We really appreciate it. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Spart- at on Spartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscore. Uh, and email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Anytime you want to contribute to the show, uh, throw a question my way, a comment, uh, suggest a topic, anything like that. It's all always welcome. All right, so we got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. It is a packed show. So what we're going to do, uh, first segment is just going to be like a news breaker uh, breakdown thing, right? We've got three big stories going on, two minutes each for, for each story, and then we'll kind of move on a little rapid fire there. And then for segments two and three, uh, Kyle Austin is joining us. He is the uh, MSU basketball beat reporter for MLive. Uh, and I spoke to him last night, uh, really insightful guy, really knows the game uh, of basketball well, and knows this team really well, uh, and so he's just a, a great conversation, so we'll talk to him for two segments and do kind of a full basketball preview, as like I said, we got five days until the Champions Classic, uh, where Michigan State will tip off against number one, Kansas. So without further ado, let's get started on those news items. First thing. Uh, this morning, if you missed it, Malik Hall, a four-star wing player, a top 50 recruit committed to Michigan State. Uh, he chose Michigan State over Oregon and Purdue. This is a, a basketball recruit. Uh, wings, we're not really recruiting wingbacks anymore in football. That's kind of out the door. But he played at Sunrise Christian Academy in Kansas. That's the same school as Tum Tum uh, and Marvin Clark Jr., uh, this is just a nice uh, a recruiting win for Michigan State to beat Purdue. Purdue was kind of heavily favored uh, in those crystal ball predictions you see on 247.com where uh, experts kind of weigh in where they think a guy's going. Uh, he had been a solid Purdue lean, but this is great. I, I Just looking into it yesterday when you started to see some some whispers around that he was going to choose Michigan State, um, and if you asked anyone kind of off the record who knew what they were talking about, they would have told you, yeah, he's he's pretty locked in at Michigan State. Uh, but a report came out that Purdue was off the table. It was, it was between a report and a rumor, but Purdue was off the table because he wanted to, he really loved Purdue, he respected Purdue's program, but he wanted to go somewhere where he could have success in March. And uh, that's just phenomenal. And that <laughs> that started this uh, this. Um, kind of panic amongst Purdue recruiting followers and fans uh, where they just, you know, they they do that terrible thing that uh, college fans can do sometimes where they start getting into the mentions of a recruit's Twitter account and start saying things to him, uh, saying things to his sister and his parents and, and a bunch of junk like that. So it was really unfortunate that Purdue fans took it that way, but uh, yeah, he he definitely kind of slighted them there a little bit. I don't think intentionally. I don't think he did it, but the report, uh, the rumor that that was the the reason for his decision that obviously slights Purdue. They haven't had nearly the success Michigan State has had in March. 
even though Michigan State's uh, had a, a rough couple of marches. So that was a, a good way to, to start the morning. Where the basketball re- recruits turn now, just a real quick roundup. Uh, so he's the second commitment of the 2019 class. Rocket Watts was the first one. Uh, Rockets from Detroit. He's uh, top 32. He's number 32 in the country. Uh, another four-star four star guy, combo guard. Uh, so a year after not getting any top 50 players in a recruiting class, Michigan State and Tom Izzo have two right away in this 2019 class, and they're looking to add more right now. The top, like, this is, it has the potential to be one of the best classes uh, Izzo's ever had. Probably the best, depending on who you get. But there's still Vernon Carey, Isaiah Stewart, uh, and Keon Brooks, and Trace Jackson Davis are the four main targets right now. Uh, Carey, Stewart, and Jackson Davis are all big men. Uh, everyone in that group is a top 20 player, five-star. Uh, and, and Vernon Carey and Stewart uh, have visits set up. Or Stewart's already visited. Carey's got a visit set up. Jackson Davis has a visit. Uh, what I've kind of heard is that uh, the feeling is Michigan State gets at least one of those three, uh, and the hope is that is that they get two. So two uh, five-star guys, like Carey's the second player in the class, Stewart's fifth, and Trace Jackson Davis is 15th. So getting two of those would, you know, that propels you to top class in the country for sure. Uh, and Keon Brooks is the number 21 player in the class. It looks like since he is the same position, as Malik Hall, I've heard Michigan State is still going to keep recruiting Keon Brooks hard, uh, but he could potentially head to Indiana now. He's, he's playing at La Lumiere, which is in Indiana, uh, just because the minutes availability, uh, they you know having a guy commit at your position before you do, um, you know that can that can sway a recruit's decision. So good morning in recruiting for Michigan State, and they look like they're going to be adding some more talent, and that's always great. We don't want to put too too much stock into it. I mean, sometimes you have to in basketball because of the one and done era and all that. Uh, but it's always good. It's always good. Uh, it's a it's a foundation and, and nothing more. It's a good foundation to start with. Uh, all right, let's move over to football. Brian Lewerke, uh reports are he's progressing in practice, but we have no details kind of on how much he's throwing, if he is throwing. And, uh, you know, Michigan State's kind of playing coy. Mark D'Antonio really hasn't given many updates. Lewerke hasn't been available to the media. Dave Warner, uh, or it was either Dave Warner or Brad Salem, was the one who said, you know, he's progressing a little bit. He's feeling better each day. Uh, and just like D'Antonio had mentioned, this is something that, with every passing day of, you know, not getting hit, not stressing the shoulder out with throwing, it's going to get better. So we don't really have an indication on whether or not Lewerke is going to be healthy enough to start against Maryland. I would think, given that he's obviously still limited, uh, still not going through a full practice, and uh, Rocky Lombardi's performance against Purdue, that uh, they're going to be a little safer. I think they have confidence now that they've seen Lombardi go through a full game. Uh, they've seen how he handles himself. He's not out of place. We've talked about that a ton. He's a Big Ten quarterback. Uh, he can handle himself just fine. Uh, Maryland is a is a stiffer t- test defensively, and we'll talk a ton more about Maryland tomorrow, what they bring to the table. They have a pretty solid pass defense. Um, but, you know, some of that is they've been uh, – cr- they have a crazy high interception amount, uh, which – Given how many passes have been thrown against them, they have frankly have too many interceptions, uh, and, and that's bound to come down. We know turnovers are uh, kind of luck dependent. You know, you should pick off one out of every four passes you defend, and Maryland is doing that uh, at a higher rate than you would think is sustainable. So, but it is a better defense, and it's a tougher challenge for Lombardi. But I think, given what he's shown, 
Uh, the staff will feel comfortable enough to sit Lewerke another week if they need to, uh, just to get him fully healthy. You know, Ohio State's coming around the corner. You'd rather have Lewerke than Lombardi against Ohio State, I would think. And, you know, who knows how severe the injury is. If it's something that Lewerke plays and gets hit once and it flares right back up, we could see Lombardi again. But I think they want to get him as healthy as possible before he sees the field. So we'll continue to monitor that throughout the week. And last little bit of breaking news here. Maryland uh, was pressured into doing the right thing, and they fired DJ Durkin, their coach. Uh, they somehow didn't predict or couldn't foresee the intense backlash that reinstating him uh, brought to the program. Players walked out of the first team meeting with DJ Durkin, and then another group of players, uh, some who didn't walk out, you know, more players uh, no-showed at practice the next day. And so you had threats of um, half the team, not half the team, but a, a, a number of players not, you know, we never got a full report on how many players were going to do this, but there were uh, whisperings that he, that the team could no-show on Saturday, that, you know, a chunk of the players would just not show up for the game in protest. Uh, parents were threatening to, you know, you know, they're pull their kids from the school. They, they don't trust DJ Durkin. Uh, congressmen started to weigh in. Maryland's lieutenant governor weighed in. It was just a disastrous 24 hours for the Board of Regents, uh, and they were absolutely pressured into doing what they should have done in the first place. They bought out uh, DJ Durkin, I think it's like $6 million. They paid him to go away. And so Matt Canada will now take over, uh, and it's sort of, uh, they'll be able to, like I mentioned yesterday, kind of heal and move on and start to move together as a team. And that's good for, for them, uh, but what an absolutely crazy week uh, for those kids, for that program. And it's just, it, I think it's the most interesting thing this weekend is how they will respond. Uh, my buddy Matt Sheehan put it this way on Twitter, Michigan State's either going to win by 30 or lose by 30, and we have no idea which way it's going to go. And I think that's just so true. Like, if there's still Durkin guys on the team who are mad that he's gone, um, and there's some fracturing in that locker room. Who knows what could happen? It could get ugly real quick, as we saw in 2016 with Michigan State. Uh, but this could also galvanize them, and it could be something that absolutely brings the team together. And they play just like they did against Texas, beat, you know, beating a team that's that's better than them. Uh, they could absolutely be galvanized and play their best game of the year. And it's I think it's really interesting to to see that. And it just I, I feel for the kids, and I, I feel for the good people in that program who have had to go through all this stuff that they didn't sign up for. And uh, uh, hopefully, football aside, that they can, you know, move together, come together, heal, um, honor their friend, and uh, move on and, and grow as people because of this. That's, that's kind of what you hope. All right. We have two basketball-heavy segments coming up here uh, with Kyle Austin from M Live previewing the entire season. Really great insight from him. But first, a word from Vivid Seats. Guys, if you want to get to some of the big games coming up at Spartan Stadium or the Breslin Center, you got to get to Vivid Seats first. It is the top source for tickets to all the live events you want to go to. And to make things even better for you, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more money. It's easy. Go to the App Store, Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you'll get $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. And I've been mentioning it this week on the show, but we are expanding the Lockdown Network, our local sales. So if you are interested 
a local Michigan business and sponsoring this podcast, Locked On Wolverines, Locked On Pistons, Locked On Lions, or all of them at the same time, email me at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we are joined now by Kyle Austin. He is a MSU basketball beat writer for MLive. Kyle, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Doing good, Will. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so I want to start kind of at, at a macro level here, just broadly. Um, you know, this team, there's uh, been a little bit of preseason hype. They come in preseason number 10 in the AP poll. Uh, it feels like they are kind of expected to win the Big Ten or they were picked by a, kind of an informal survey of Big Ten media members to win the Big Ten. Uh, so I guess just what are the expectations for this team this year? You know, it, it's kind of tough to put a finger on because, you know, on the one hand, you you got a lot of talent going out the door, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and two, two lottery picks in Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson. So I think a lot of people just see that on the surface level and, and see them taking a step back, which I think is true to a certain extent. But I, I think they're also taking a step forward in experience. Um, they're going to have – they could start three juniors and five seniors – or three juniors and two seniors, that is, mm-hmm. um, for five upperclassmen starting. Um, you got your three juniors, which are really kind of the core of this team, Cassius Winston, Joshua Langford, and Nick Ward, who – We've played a lot of games, um, two-year starters for two of them, you know, most of two years for Cassius Winston. So um, they're taking that step forward in experience. So to me, the biggest question is, does the added experience offset your, your loss of talent? Because it's not as talented a team last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's saying it is. How many will be the first one to tell you that's not true. But I think, I, I think that this could be a team that is a little bit steadier. I think it's a team that um could could win some could knows how to win and he's won won a lot of games and you know if you look around college basketball there's a lot of exciting teams with a lot of one and done talent you know your dukes and your kentuckys every year um but you look at who's really making deep runs in the ncaa tournament um and really there on the last weekend you know it's villanova michigan um Mm -hmm. loyola i mean these teams that veterans i I think everybody's crazy about these one and done but i think Tommy is showing a lot of people are kind of coming back around to these veterans and saying, these are the guys that are really going to win you more. So I think, I, I don't think there's as much, there's obviously not as much hype around this team. Um, they're not, you know, number two, like they were last year. They don't have a whole bunch of super big national talent, but I think this is a team that's better suited a little bit to Tommy and, and how he coaches and what he likes. And I think it's a team that is, better suited um, for a potential long NCAA tournament run. I'm not sure they're going to win 30 games again, but I think that they, um, they're they set up to, to, to go for a deeper run this year. Yeah, it does feel preseason at least a little bit like that last Final Four team. Um, who So Bridges and, and Jaron Jackson are, are headed out the door now. Um, who's like, that's a lot of shots. That's a lot of rebounds. That's a lot of assists going out the door. Who's, you know, whose shoulders are getting heavier this season? Who's taking on the responsibility of, uh, handling the ball more, taking more shots, you know, being more uh, responsible for this team's success. Is it primarily the three juniors that you mentioned? 
I, I, I would say primarily. I, I think what we've seen through the, the close scrimmage, at least what we know about that, and from the exhibition game, I, I think Nick Ward has taken a pretty big leap as far as his offensive involvement. Um, obviously, he's always been a very efficient offensive player, great guy in the low post, but um, had the limited minutes his first couple of years, whether that was conditioning or foul trouble or getting in time as a doghouse because of his defense, um, you know, only playing a guy that's scores at the rate he does only playing 18 minutes a game is, you know, um, puzzling for some, but I, I think indications are that he's going to play, he's going to get on the court more and stay on the court more this year um, for a number of reasons, his conditioning. And um, I, I think he can defend more guys this year. Um, I think he got a little bit better attitude. I think everybody knows about the kind of differences that he and Israel have had, but I think that's they're starting to improve that. So I think he's going to be on the court more. I think Michigan State's going to look to him a lot, um, but looking at their Northern Michigan uh, exhibition the other night, they were looking to him quite a bit. Um, so I, I think he's number one on top of my list is guys that are going to take a leap forward as far as what they're doing on offense. You know, Cassius Winston's in an interesting spot because I think he'll take more shots. I mean, you look at, he shot, you know, 49% from three last year, but only averaged 12 points a game. I mean, he was shooting at a very, you know, hitting at a very high rate, but, you know, he was distributing a lot too. So the question is, is how much is he kind of looking for his own shot versus setting everything up? Um, I, I think he could probably mix in a few more of his own shots, but he's still a guy that's a, a great passer. So I don't think you're going to see his going up a ton, but I think he'll go up some. Um, and then Joshua Langford, I think we'll see some more too. I think he needs to kind of figure it out and find a shot. But I think those three, uh, for the most part, I don't expect a whole lot of more more offense out of out of the other two. So I think that's that's the three I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, this freshman class coming in a little different than some previous ones, especially the last two, where you had some really highly regarded talent coming in. Uh, not that there isn't good talent in this class, but it's a little bit more. It's a deeper uh, recruiting class with less high-end talent. Uh, it seems like Aaron Henry is is everyone's pick to have the biggest impact as a freshman. Uh, what have you seen so far from this group, and who do you expect to uh, you know break the rotation maybe early in the season, or is there someone you're looking to, uh, for like, yeah, later in the year when they get used to college ball, they'll, they'll break the rotation? So what do you expect from this class? You know, it's you're right. There's certainly not going to be nearly as much impact from the freshmen. I, I think when whenever this class is all done playing, I think we're going to look at them and say they probably had a pretty big impact, but it's just going to take mm-hmm. them a little bit longer. Um, just, it, it starts where they're at in their development, their body size. A lot of them are small. Um, Aaron Henry, you mentioned the first guy. He's probably going to be the only guy that's in the rotation to start. They're looking right now at about an eight-man rotation, um, which they're going to stick with, barring, you know, um, foul trouble and things like that. But he's going to be your – um, your first, second guy off the bench, and he—he's a guy I, I like a lot. I mean, he—you don't look at the box score and get wild with him, and you can kind of see why he wasn't a super highly rated recruit. But you know, if you like basketball, you watch him play. He just does so many things well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he defends, he rebounds, he blocks shots. I mean, it just seems like every play he's involved somehow, whether he's passing or shooting. He can drive really well, which is something I think they've been lacking the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I had the first time to really see him play in a real game for Michigan State against Northern Michigan. I, I, I did not think this hype was oversold on him as far as everything we heard. Um, mm-hmm. He's really the guy right now. I mean, Foster Lawyer is a guy we thought was going to be the backup point guard and get 10 minutes a game when Cassius Winston is not out there. But I think he's been a little slower coming coming around than they thought. Um, so I think from the start that he's probably going to be out of the rotation. It's going to be Matt McQuaid doing backup point guard duty. Uh, but I do think Foster will come around. I think it's a matter of him, A, putting on weight, and B, learning how to defend um, bigger 
guys, you know, just learning the technique and doing that and not getting blown by and not fouling all the time. Um, obviously, he's not going to – he's never going to be big, but I think it's a process mm-hmm. of just learning how to – tactfully how to how to be able to do that. And I think he will. He's a smart kid. He'll come around. I think by midseason we'll see him really being the backup point guard and everything he can do on offense, that'll be a bonus. But I think it's going to take him a little bit longer. Um, Tavis Kithier, Gabe Brown, kind of in the same boat, uh, guys that – um, kind of just outside the rotation now, we'll probably get in and in blowout games or if there's foul trouble or something like that. Uh, Kidder's got a good body; they like him. Um, he just um, needs a little bit more time. Gabe Brown needs to put on some weight, kind of in that category. But both those guys, mm-hmm. the three, four, um, have potential. And then Marcus Binger's an interesting one because yeah. he's the highest-rated guy. You know, I think he's seventy-something in the in the rankings and. They're talking about redshirting, um, yeah. which not many top 100 guys get redshirted, talk about redshirted, but um, he's, I think, 6'11", 215 right now. So for reference, that's the same height as Jaron Jackson and about 30 pounds lighter. Yeah. And, and I didn't think Jaron Jackson was a hefty guy. So no, no. Um, <laughs> um, if you if anybody had a chance to watch the Northern Michigan game, he looked good and he did great things on offense, which is no one's disputing his offensive skill, but the issue is, he just gets pushed around against bigger, big guys. Um, people that watched against Jagger scrimmage said that he picked up three fouls in about four minutes of play just because he, um, you know, he, he can't hold his ground. He ends up reaching in and fouling and things like that. So he, he's a guy, it's going to be up to him whether he retreats or not. He told us in the locker room the other night he doesn't want to but hasn't made a final decision yet. Um, so I have a feeling he probably decides to play this year, but I think coaches have made it pretty clear that um, you know, we like you. They definitely like him long term. I think he could be a very good Big Ten player long term, but he's a guy I'm not even sure if this year if he really is even cracking that rotation and seeing anything outside of a few straight minutes here and there. I think it's going to take him a lot of time to put on the weight necessary. I don't think that's going to be a short term thing like Foster Lawyer, I think, will kind of come around this year. I, I think. I think two, three years we're going to be talking about a really good player, but I think it's going to be very much a developmental year for Marcus Bingham. All right, we will be back with segment two of our basketball preview with Kyle Austin in just a couple minutes. Uh, But first, a promotional word from Sling TV. Guys, you don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. And if you're sick of paying for all these channels that you never watch, you got to get Sling TV. It is the best way to watch college football. It's $30 a month, and you get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. And you can stream on your big screen all the way down to your smartphone, all your devices, and there's no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, listeners to this podcast can sign up for Sling TV and get a seven-day free trial. Just go to sling.com slash lockdown. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash lockdown. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. One more time, sling.com slash lockdown. And if you're looking for a new NBA podcast, you got to check out Locked on NBA. It is quickly becoming a very popular national NBA podcast. They cover the biggest stories of the week every day, uh, daily 30-minute episodes uh, to keep you up to date on everything going going on around the NBA. Follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or just tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on NBA. Now to our final segment of the day and the second segment of our basketball preview with Kyle Austin, uh, Spartan Beat reporter for MLive. Where is Tom Izzo at right now? Uh, Last year... Uh, huge expectations. They obviously fell short uh, in the postseason. A uh, lot of off-the-court things going on. The the program was surrounded, whether it was the basketball stuff or the Larry Nasser situation that kind of leaked into everything else on campus. Uh, it seemed like a really tough year for Tom Izzo. 
Uh, where is he at this year? Did he take the offseason to kind of hit reset and refresh, or, or what has he been like so far? That's a good question because I think um, I think last year had a pretty profound effect on him. Um, I think um, you know. I think he and a lot of people on Michigan State felt like all the off-court stuff that you mentioned, whether it was, you know, Larry Nassar really kind of exploding in the heart of their season and, you know, some of the accusations that were made against Izzo, um, you know, from years back, Travis Walton and whatnot. I mean, mm -hmm. I think he feels like that, that had an effect on his team, whether it was how he coached or just guys having a lot of outside distractions around. And um, it's a team that, you know, finished the regular season well, but – Never really peaked, um, and I think that the, the he feels and feel, and a lot of people around that program feel that that was one of the reasons why. So I think part of him feels like there was a big lost opportunity because of everything. Um, I, I know he called it, you know, the most frustrating, one of the most difficult periods. And then, you know, just on a personal level, I mean, he was accused of a lot of things, um, and mm -hmm. that was really difficult. And, it, you know, if you follow Tom Izzo, you know Tom Izzo. Um, he's a guy that likes to address everything and be very upfront. And um, he was advised to, to hold his tongue and decided to do so. So, you know, all those times in January, February, when he's getting peppered with questions and, and not answering, I mean, that was, that was difficult for him. I'm not trying to paint him out to be a victim. I mean, the, there are other people who are the real victims here, but this, yeah. you know, it was a very trying time. Um, I know for him and for his program, and he's had a lot of time to reflect and, you know, I think he's starting to move forward from it, but I think he knows that, you know, he had a team that reached number one. I think he had a, thought a lot about that team. And however much that impacted everything, we'll never really know. But um, I, I think there's a lot of what ifs when he thinks back. And I think there's a lot of frustration because, you know, NCAA didn't do anything. Nobody really found any true wrongdoing. So I think there's, there's some frustration and a lot of what ifs for him right now. Yeah. And it seems like uh, he's changed a little bit uh, just in, in sort of his mindset towards everything. Like it, it's sort of that experience. I think he's talked about this sort of reshaping and, and changing the way he thinks about stuff uh, and just sort of the way he, he goes through life. Um, where does this team, like yeah, I'll put it this way, this team wins the big 10 if blank, like they obviously uh, things need to fall their way in certain ways and they need to get better at certain spots, but like sort of what are the keys for them moving forward? If, if they're going to win the big 10, what has to happen? You know, I think, I think Nick Ward has to play at an all Big Ten level. Um, and I think he needs to take that next step as far as I, I think he's been very successful against some mid-level competition um, in lower ones. And he's been successful in short stretches. But I think he needs to take that next step, play longer minutes, you know, be more dominant consistently and, and do it against better big men all the time. Um, I, I think that's a lot of it. I think – um, I think Joshua Langford kind of has to take a step for them. Um, just a guy that I think has all the potential in the world. I mean, he's a former McDonald's All-American his third year here now. And um, he's just, he's always been very streaky with his shooting. I think he needs to find some consistency with his shot. I think he's got to get to the hoop more. I think he's got the ability to do that. Um, yeah. He needs to be smarter about the, smarter about the shots he takes. I, I cringe every time I see him pull up into a difficult, <laughs> you know, mid-range fall away pull up because he, you know, he's yeah. making, I feel like he makes everything harder than it for him but if he um if he could you know just kind of be a little smarter about how he plays i think he could he could really have a bigger impact so you know i i guess i keep going back to this big three but i think they're um i think they're the key i think they've got a good enough core there to win the big 10 um and i think if those guys are all playing at their potential and they're getting some some minutes from from some other guys i mean i think obviously matt mcquade has to give him something i don't expect him to 
to come in and be all Big Ten, but I think you've got to give them a three-point shooting threat. Um, I think they need some depth. I, I think they're eventually going to need to get some a little more than eight guys contributing. But I think my biggest thing is those guys, those three kind of taking their next step. I mean, nothing out of this world, but if they just kind of keep on that progression and they, they keep they keep going and doing what they think they can do, um, I, I think it's entirely possible, which is partly because I, I don't see anybody else in the Big Ten also taking a huge leap. I think the mm-hmm. teams that were right there with Michigan State last year also took some steps back, you know, with Ohio State with Bates Diop. Purdue lost a lot. So I, I, I don't see – the Big Ten, I don't see any huge roadblock for them. So I think as long as they do what they're capable of doing, I, I think they should be right there at the end. Yeah, it's going to be really uh, interesting to watch uh, Langford have his usage rate increase, have more responsibility, because we've seen flashes, like you mentioned. Uh, and if he can start to string them together, uh, there's a special player in there somewhere. Um, all right, he's Kyle Austin. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle B. Austin. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Really great insight. Uh, and hopefully we can uh, catch up with you down the road uh, sometime this season. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. All right. Thanks again to Kyle for uh, all that great stuff there. And thanks to you guys for listening to the show. Follow us on Twitter at on Spartans. Follow me on Twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one L two underscores email the show locked on Spartans at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show, rate us on iTunes, all that good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday with a, full-on Maryland preview, and then we'll have, uh, for two segments, then we'll the, the third segment will be our, our picks of the weekend. We'll bring in Sheehan. I'll probably bring in uh, Paul Costanzo as well, my buddy, from the other podcast we do. It seemed to uh, flow well last week, so we'll do that again for tomorrow. So look forward to that, and until then, go green.